I feel like a lot that we're doing today is going to come back and bite me in the end of the year uh, video, so <laughs> I'm just sorry in advance. Hey, so are you guys doing well? Nice. You guys are so lively. I love the 1130. It's great. The 930 is good too. It's great. But uh, you guys are li- loud and lovely and singing with me. I love it. Hey, today we're talking about uh, walking alone. It's our first initiative of this whole entire year of this, uh, this whole Walk This Way series and walk, walking alone. Here's what we mean by that is that uh, we are going to really challenge you guys this year to embark on a personal adventure with God. You hear us talk about that all the time, that this, this journey that you're on, this spiritual journey, this adventure, uh, to embark on the, this year and uh, to really make it, make it alive in your life and, and to become people that are self-feeding, that are chowing on the Word, that are just uh, personally really driven to seek God on your own. So that, that's kind of what this whole entire initiative is about. And there's a lot behind that that we're going to get to today. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of finer points to this and some great, great application at the end that we're going to talk about how to actually take some, some next steps. I'm out of breath. In, uh, I don't know why. In, in uh, connecting with God, walking alone with Him, just you and Him. So I want to start it off, though, with a question. And I, I really, really do want you to reflect on this. Here's the question. How, how are you personally doing in your, in your walk with God? Now, depending on where you're at, you're going to totally answer that differently because some of you are here for the first time saying, <laughs> I'm just coming to church, man. You know, I'm just kind of figuring this out. And I, I wouldn't even say that I probably have, a, you know, a personal relationship with God. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying that out. I'm just looking at it. I've got a lot of questions. And uh, we always, always respect that. Very, very, uh, very important that, that you, you not move farther than, you know, what God is moving you along your line and, and kind of track along with him. So depending on where you're at, you're going to answer that differently. But how... How are you really doing? What's this last year been like for you in God? What, is it, what does it mean for you and him to, to really be together? Some of you are wishing that was underneath your Christmas tree. And maybe for the uh, Mr. T CD, that would actually be very, very cool. You know, pity the fool. I'd love that, driving along listening to that. But, but, but some of us are wishing, like, man, is there, are there some clear next steps? Or are there some stuff that can actually help me along the way? So when it comes to your, your personal relationship with God, your adventure with Him, honestly, in your heart, in that department, how are you doing? I guess another way I would ask you is, are you, are you satisfied with where you're at? And it's okay to say, yeah, it's, it's totally fine to say no, but, but what's your answer to that? Are you satisfied with how you have engaged God in the last year? I want to be really careful with these next stats I'm going to give you, because they're actually your stats. <laughs> Uh, a year ago, we, we asked uh, everyone to participate in, in a survey here at K2 and just kind of give some real honest, uh, anonymous feedback as to how you were, you were doing. And here's, here's what we found out. <clears throat> and this is, just, this is really just K2 here. 46% of you say that on a, on a weekly basis, you do find time to, to, to spend in solitude with God. And that might be just like reflection with Him. That might just be some, some downtime, just, just whatever it is. But solitude. With God, I think that's actually pretty good. Uh, that would be like, you know, half the room, spending time with, with God on a weekly basis. 39% of you say that uh, you, pray, you pray daily. So about a third of you would say, yeah, I totally, I totally pray daily. Here, here's the one that, that, that is a little alarming to me. And actually, if it makes you feel better after I read this, the stat, we're actually pretty normal, which is good. It's always good to be normal when things are alarming. But uh, 23% 
of people at K2 say that they read their Bible every day. So then the, the flip side of that is over 70% of people are, are, not, are not engaging with God on a daily basis. Now, now as we kind of draw this out and start to, start to think about what the implications of that is, it can be kind of sobering. And it leads to the question of, okay, so why, why is that? Because I'll be the first one to admit, it is often difficult. Would you agree? It's difficult to connect with God on a routine basis. It's difficult to do anything, if you're me, on a routine basis. Working out is really awesome on Monday. Tuesday, it's like, yeah, there's always next week, right? You know, anything on a routine basis is sometimes hard. And I think there's a lot of things that get in the way. So let's talk about those things. Some of the things that get in the way with us connecting with God. Uh, here's a big one for me. Uh, I don't know if you identify with this, but, but sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's the number one God killer in my life. It, I don't know what it is, but, you know, when it's six outside even though it feels like seven, and you're laying in your bed and you're all hunkered down there, the last thing, and I'm just being really transparent with you, last thing I want to do is get up when it's 12 in my house, right? And the heater's all turned down, get up and go spend time with God. I, I'm just dead serious. It's hard to crawl out from underneath all the, all the geese, you know, the, uh, the down stuff, and get out and do that. It's just very difficult. And the flip side of that is the same thing at night. Because I need sleep, right? So you're like, oh, I'll get to it at the end of the day. Okay, all right. So I don't know. I think sometimes that gets in the way. The other thing that gets in the way is just schedule. Do you feel that? Do you feel just the pressure in the schedule and the rat race and the continuing to go and this and picking up the kids and delivering the kids and doing other stuff with the kids and then you know paying the bills and meeting clients and closing off business deals and all this stuff. And then in the midst of that, you come to a quote like this by Martin Luther. If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Okay, I'm officially lame. Seriously, I read that and I just go, I'm not trying to poke fun at it. I just, I just, I feel lame. Anybody else feel like that? Man, here he is. Like, I, I can't afford not to do only two hours. I have to do three. And here I am fighting in my life and, and, and fighting in the rat race of everything that's going on, and the lack of sleep and the schedules and all these other things, and, uh, and reflecting on that and, and, and not feeling great about it. I think sometimes maybe we don't connect with God, and this is just the honest truth. Maybe we don't really know how to truly connect with God. Or, 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 or maybe it's even a step further than that. Maybe it's just not even knowing. Maybe it's not understanding the benefits of really connecting with God. Because if I truly understood the benefits of that and understood that it would radically change life as I knew it, and I believe that, then I'd probably be a little bit more proactive about it than I would. And, and the reality is, you know, I, I'm to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe? How does that work? How do I even go about that? How, how, it's overwhelming to even think about and there's, there's a ton more excuses as to things that we can just say, well, I, I just, I'm, not, I'm not tracking with God as well as I could have been in 2008, which then leads to guilt. <laughs> oh, leads to guilt, which is a horrible motivator. But the guilt in my life, the guilt in your life shows up, and then we start scrambling to, to fix that guilt. And so then we go to church. <laughs> well, I'll hit one out of seven days. That ain't bad, right? And I'll go connect with God today. And that's good. It's good to come, and it's good to connect with the, the people around you. But it's not the, it doesn't, can't take the place of a personal relationship and a personal adventure with him. And I do other things when, when guilt comes. Maybe you do this too. 
I start showing up at Life Together groups and kind of hoping that, man, you know, that'll jump start. And, and those are great and they're necessary and they're vital. But again, not, not a substitute for, for a real relationship. Me and God wor- walking alongside of, uh, alongside of each other. Or, may, or maybe you turn to this one, and that is find someone who hangs out with God really well and then just kind of like glom onto them and, and just kind of, kind of learn through osmosis and just like, oh, you're close to God. Maybe if I hang with you, you know, what have, what have you learned lately? You know, and uh, you do that and you're laughing, maybe you do. And that maybe helps. But the question is, why, why do we struggle so much? And, 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 and I think, as I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, I don't know if this is true about you, but this is really true in my heart. I think sometimes what I do is when it comes to my relationship with God, I get in this trap. Let me know if you identify with this. This trap of task versus relationship. There's some of you out there that, that you're just wired like this. You, you just have this kind of this pre-programmed deal to make lists. You make lists because you just enjoy checking things off. Anybody want to admit that? Yeah, my wife is like that. She's like, I'll make a list. I'm like, why? Because I can check it off. You know, and it, and it feels good to do that, right? Sometimes I feel good. They just don't ever get checked off. But I feel good making a list. I get halfway there. And I, and I slide into this. You do this? You slide into this in relationships. And sometimes I slide into that with God, too. Now, here's the deal with a task. A task, you just check off. A task is just something you have to get done. A relationship is something you get to do. A relationship is something that I get to invest in that truly actually ends up changing my life. I mean, couldn't I? I, I compare this to my marriage with Beth. <laughs> I would be in the doghouse if I started making lists about my relationship with her. Okay, babe, uh, got on the list here. We're going you know, to kiss three times a day. You want to get that done right now or should I spread them out? Uh, two before lunch. You want to do one after lunch? I don't care. It's totally up to you. I just want to check it off. For the next 60 seconds, we're going to hold hands. Let's talk about something intimate. Okay, go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My wife is a very lovely lady, very nice. I don't think she would never tolerate that. No one would tolerate that. I'd be hosed. Because in a relationship, it's not about obligation. It's not about a checklist. And after 14 years, our... uh, our relationship is continuing to grow because I'm not checking the boxes with her. Some of you have been married even longer than that, and you're, you're understanding or even less than you're just going, man, I totally get it. Because it comes out of this desire that I, I need to actually know more about Beth. And not only do I need to, but I want to. Like, I really, really want to know. And, and I... I can't learn about Beth through somebody else either. That's just weird. You know, like, Joe, what do you, what do you know about my wife? You know, what is, she, what is she like? That's just stupid. I like, I have to know myself. I can't, I can't know Beth third hand. I can't, I can't expect somebody to tell me about one of the most important relationships in my life. I mean, that's like elementary school. You remember your first girlfriend or your first boyfriend and you saw him across the yard, the, the schoolyard, and, you're, and, and, and your buddy asks you, so like, you're going out with that girl? Oh yeah, dude, we're, we're really serious. Oh man, what's her name? T- Tiff, Tiff, uh, Tiff, Rachel, yeah, <laughs> great, you know, what she look like, she's got brown hair, she's made blonde hair, she's amazing, you know, no, I, 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 to fall in love, I have to know, and, and dissect, and start pulling back the layers, and when Beth and I met, 
And so many of you can relate to this. We stayed up till the morning. And we weren't even tired. We didn't even have rock stars 14 years ago. You know, no energy drinks. And we just stayed up and, and you loved it. And, and, and you talked about everything. And, there, and, and time just flew by. And you did things like this. Do you remember these? They're called letters. And you would write them to each other. Look, look at it on pink paper. Yeah, and it smells good. And she would write me stuff about nothing. Let me tell you, that was absolutely disgusting. I was so hungry too, but after eating that gross stuff, I lost my appetite. And she would just tell me everything, and she would draw pictures. That's a picture of my cat, her cat, climbing drapes. And she would tell me how she felt in everything about details of life. And I would eat this up. And she, she wrote me all these letters in here, and I, I saved them. Anybody got a box like this? Tons of letters in here. All kinds of stuff. She gave me a nickname. I don't know if you can read it. My nickname is Anda, A-N-D-A. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but she would call me Anda. And... Um, Dude, seriously, like, you're dismantling my love life. Don't, don't laugh. <laughs> Anda bear, panda bear, you're my schmanda bear. <laughs> and there's little ones in here. I can't find it because it's so small. There was one about the size of a post-it note. And she wrote me all this stuff, and she drew me things. And I kept, I kept everything in here. And um, she actually doesn't know this, but I get this out from time to time. Here's her, uh, this is her old college card. She's like 18 there. And I look through this stuff and um, I read it. I'm in love with this girl. Like, I'm really in love with her. And it's not always easy, right? It's, it's not always easy. I mean, if, I'm, if, you're, if you're going, oh, it's just like the perfect, it's totally not. <sighs> I asked her permission before I could say that. And, uh, because it's so hard. It's hard being in a relationship. It's hard pulling back layers and layers. And the farther you pull back, the softer it gets, right? And the more vulnerable it gets and, and, and the tougher it is. Recently, I, I, don't, I can't actually remember if I told you this. I feel like I did. But recently, uh, she took me out to dinner. <clears throat> and we were sitting across the table. She'd never done this. And uh, she said, I've got, I've got seven questions for you. I'm like, Really? She asked me seven questions that she has never in 14 years asked me. Are there children in here? Dude, that was sexy. That was amazing. Can I say that? That was, that was amazing. I was just like, oh, I love that. I love that. I think that's what God intended for our relationship with him. that we would, we would go back to the box and we would leaf through the things that he has told us and that we would pull them out and read them and, um, and reflect on our relationship. So how did you do in 2008? How did, how did you and God dance? Was it all that you wanted it to be? Are you satisfied? with where you're at. And it's okay to say no. It's totally fine to say no. I, I, I think you, need, you just need to be real honest with where you're at. 
that when we refer to this, this personal adventure, this, this spiritual walk and relationship and walking alone with God, and again, by the way, that sounds lonely, except that I always want to walk alone with Beth. <laughs> I don't want to walk with anybody else. Are you kidding me? Who else would I want to walk with? I want to walk with my babe. And when we talk about walking alone with God, we're talking about spending this incredible rich time and pulling back layers. And, and again, don't worry if, 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 if you're saying, I don't know how to do that. We'll get to that. But falling in love in this incredible dance. And, and how did you do in 2008? There are lots of ways that we can go today. And this is a very, very large, broad topic that has lots of ins and outs. But I'm going to pick one, one avenue that I think is the most powerful. We're going to talk about prayer later on this, this year coming up. And we're going to talk about other strategies in, in helping you walk together with your Savior. But if I were to pick one avenue and one road and say, okay, you have to nail this one, this is what I would tell you, is that you reach back into your box and you pull out the greatest love letter that has ever been authored for your heart. And it's God's word for you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, this is, this is the reflection on God's word. It says that all scripture, all of this love letter is God-breathed, which means that he actually authored it for you and for me. It, it came from him, from his mind, from his heart, and, and it passes over time, and it transcends barriers, and it comes and leaps off the pages. This stuff right here leaps off the pages to me. I went through it again early this morning, and I, and I read it. I'm like, <laughs> I remember this like it was yesterday, and I'm reading between the lines and reflecting on this. And, and again, all these feelings are coming up and emotion, and that is exactly what happens here in God's love letter transcending and, and leaping off. It says here, all scripture is God-breathed and useful. There's major purpose behind this stuff. It's just not flowery. It's useful for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, which means that in our personal relationship with him, in our, in our tracking along this love, this incredible dance that we, we do with God, that our first step is to know him. And as we know him and we, we understand this love letter and I find out so much about who Beth is and I find out so much about who God is as I read his word to me, I start to know. And what do I find out? An unbelievable creative God. This, this God who is, is powerful and varied and organized and so gracious and forgiving and all of these things I understand, I know about him. And as I read this, I begin to learn incredible truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Oh, it's so powerful. It sets you free. I learn about, about who he is and his truth. And then it even goes further and I get instruction on how to live. Anybody want that? Yeah. I want to know what the next steps are. I want to know, I want to know what to do. I don't, I don't want to be left alone. I don't want to walk through this life without knowing. And it is designed to give me spiritual strength, to bolster my strength. So here's, here's the deal. Here, here's where we're going to go with this. That's what I want in 2009. That's what we want to encourage you to encounter in 2009. And don't jump ahead thinking, I, I, I'm not sure I know how to do that yet. We're gonna, again, we'll, we'll go there. We'll go there. But the first thing is, is taking the, the first step and saying, Okay, now that, that sounds good. That sounds really good. 
forgive me um, if I sound like a broken record. Please, please give me grace on this. But I want to encourage you guys all the time to, to jot down some notes. So if you have your program in a pen, would you just grab that or grab something or whatever and just uh, uh, grab some material because I'm going to give you four, four just key thoughts when it comes to God's word and, and to help you kickstart and to, to, to actually kind of set the, the spiritual GPS, if you will, for, for 2009. And then what I want you to do and why, why this is so important is, is I, don't, I don't want K2 to ever be the place where you just kind of show up, we hear a message, and you just go away. I really want us to be able to take some tools and walk away Monday through the rest of this week and actually take the ball. It's almost like the ball is just getting hyped to you. And then you go back, you go back and you take the initiative with God and you say, okay, God, help me, help me think through some of these words. So I'm, I'm going to give you four, four uh, just words, four key phrases to help us start to interact with this love letter, to really jumpstart our personal walking alone adventure with God. And here's the first word. Just, just write this down. Just write down knowledge. Write down the word knowledge. Using God's word, understanding God's word, so that we can gain a knowledge of him. So when I talk about knowledge, and let me, let me frame this into reference here. I'm talking about knowing what God has done in the past. That's the type of knowledge that I'm talking about. What God has done in the past. In other words, learning and understanding the stories and the people of God's word, the truths and the facts and the events in the Bible. Learning the content of God's letter is so very important. That is the first step in jump starting and, and, and getting, a, getting a major kick going on walking alone with you and God is understanding the great knowledge of what's written in here. In Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, there's... It's kind of a startling statement here. Here's what it says. My people are destroyed huh, from lack of knowledge. My, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. In other, in other words, if you don't have knowledge of what God is saying in his love, just the facts alone, there's destruction that comes. And here's the irony. Because even though there are more Bibles today than probably any other time in history, right? Every year, heard this number like 500 million Bibles are printed in over 1,800 languages, right? In, in hotels, not printed there, but found in hotels and motels and libraries and bookstores and hospitals. And you probably have a half a dozen at least in your house. They're everywhere. They're the, the largest selling book a million times over. And yet the reality is, and this is no news to you, that we live in the most biblically illiterate generation there is. Wow. How can that be? Because we don't know what's in here. <laughs> we don't know the knowledge of what's, what's written in here. So it starts with jump-starting your, your walking along, your personal relationship with God. It starts with understanding the content of what's written in here. A recent study at a high school in Massachusetts, and you may or may not laugh at this, <laughs> depending on how, how you feel on this one, but they, they, did, a, they did a survey asking some, some questions about the Bible, and here's some of the answers that came back, and these were overwhelming, that most students thought Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers, that the epistles were the wives of the apostles. And if you've been around a church any length of time, you might go, well, I mean, come on, that's just not true. And we, we know the answer to that, and that's just kind of funny that anyone would think that. But see, the, the reality is, is, is that if I were to ask you, hey, how many people here believe in the Ten Commandments? And you, you, almost probably all of you would raise your hand, right? You, you would go, yeah, absolutely, I totally believe in that. That's, yeah, I understand. Great, can you name them all right now? Chances are probably not. 
If I were to ask you, hey, do you believe that, that, that Jesus gave the way to happiness and the, and the Beatitudes, and it was phenomenal, and you would say, yeah, man, powerful passage. Great. Hey, can you tell me what those Beatitudes are? Yeah, give me a sec. <laughs> because we lack, we lack knowledge. And so the goal here in this portion of, of walking together with God, the goal here is to learn the word of God. And how do I learn the word of God? Oh, it's so by reading it by dissecting it, by, by discovering it. My grandfather passed away uh, before I, I moved to Utah. I think it's probably been nine years now. And uh, I, I, I think I know more about him now than I, I do when he was alive because I got his Bible. And I'm telling you, I love looking through his Bible. I love to, to flip through it. And some of you relate to this because you've lost loved ones and maybe you've inherited their Bibles. And let me tell you about my grandpa's Bible. It's worn out. <laughs> it's worn out. I think, I think he's probably on his second or third cover on it. And all throughout the margins, just scribbled notes and highlighted colors and this and that. And you, you turn to the back and there's, there's sermon notes just written in his Bible. He's just right all over the thing. And and it's just so cool because I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the, the inside glimpse into the most romantic relationship of my grandfather and his relationship to Christ. He knew it. He knew it because he went for it. In 2009, are you gonna go for it? Are you gonna learn the content of this? Don't skip too far ahead. I'll tell you how to do that in a second. Here's the second word I want you to write down. Because it's not, it's not enough just to kind of know it. It's not enough to just have knowledge. We've got to take it a step further. And if you're writing down the, the, the key word, write down the word perspective. See, we use God's word to gain an eternal, a heavenly perspective from God. See, perspective is seeing life from, from God's point of view. In knowledge, in knowledge that we just talked about, I, I, I know what God did in the Bible. In perspective, I start to understand why he did it. I start to understand the reasons of why he did it. Collectively, the, the relative importance of the things that come together, the relationship between things that are written in the Bible and stories and events and ideas and words and passages. I start to get the bigger picture. And we live in the best time ever. We get the whole thing. And we get the whole picture. How many of you guys... Uh, this last year, in the last couple of years, uh, it drove the Alpine Loop. Anybody in here? Alpine Loop? Oh, yeah. Those of you that are raising your hands, you just know how amazing that loop is. For those of you that did not raise your hand, go do that immediately. As soon as the snow melts, be the first one in line. Bust up the Alpine Loop. Go down to Provo, pick up the highway, and go all the way up. I think it goes up to, uh, what is it, like 11,000 feet up at this pass and beautiful aspens and phenomenal, phenomenal little, little drive. This I, I don't know how many miles it is, like 20 or so miles, maybe even more. It's just to die for, gorgeous. And I'll never forget, a couple of years ago, Beth and I are in the car and kids are in the back seat and uh, we come around the corner, we come flying around the corner. I'm not going just, like super fast, but on a small little road, it kind of makes you feel like you're going fast. We come around the corner and bam, right there in front of our car is a mama bear and her cub. Get the camera, get the camera, get the camera bear's gone. Kids are like, what? I'm like, it's a bear. Ah! I'm like, it's gone. Didn't get the picture. And I'm like, oh, so amazing. I wish I had seen that coming actually though. <laughs> the only bad thing about the Alpine Loop is you can't see around the corners. What's even worse about that is if you get behind a slow person. 
That kills the whole thing for me. Beth's like, just enjoy it. I'm like, I can't enjoy it. There's a car in front of me. I have this, I have this desire to overtake anything that is in front of me. I don't know what it is. And, and it's in front of me and I'm looking and I'm straining and I'm looking and there's a straightaway. It's like, it's like 12 feet. I can make it, right? And I'm looking and I'm straining and, and you know how it is. You pop out and, and suddenly there are lights. You know, the kid's like, ah, and your, your wife is like, just enjoy it. I can't enjoy it. I have to overtake the car. And I don't have any perspective though and it feels very dangerous. God's word gives me this perspective. He gives us the insight and the ability to look through his love letter and to kind of see around the corners and to gain this heavenly perspective. See, if I don't have God's perspective in my life, there's one word that kind of summarizes my whole life. Do you know what it is? Frustration. Frustration. And I, and I know I'm frustrated and I don't have God's perspective when I start asking questions like, so why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening to you? Or what is the purpose behind all of this? God's perspective allows us to gain answers to that. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, we see this polar, <laughs> this polar difference between man and God. Here's what it says. There, there is a way that seems right to man, like passing cars on the Alpine loop. But in the end, it leads to death. See, the, the, goal, the goal of knowledge is that you would know the word of God. The goal of perspective when you walk with Jesus Christ in your personal relationship is that you would actually begin to understand the mind of God. That you begin to start thinking the way he thinks. That, that you start to see why he does what he does. And you get that knowledge by reading his word. And you get that perspective by studying it. God says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. <laughs> I wonder if he was laughing there <laughs> when he said that. My thoughts, not even close. They're not like your thoughts at all, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So if I'm reading this right, if you really want to actually start to understand what God thinks, then take all your natural inclinations and just do the opposite of that. <laughs> and you'll probably start to understand God's perspective. His perspective is so different. His, his perspective is so vast. It is, it is so different. It's so unusual. But the beauty is, is that he gives us his perspective to know it. Here's a third key word I want you to write down. We've written down knowledge. We've written down perspective. And I want you to write down the word Conviction. In fact, you might just put a slash on there, values. I'm cheating. I'm giving you two words. But, but we use God's word not only for knowledge and conviction, but then for, uh, I'm sorry, knowledge and perspective, but then for deep conviction and, and, and values. We start to understand a little bit more about who God is. Listen, a conviction are the beliefs that, that, that shape our behavior, right? And, and so a conviction is, is something that I believe so strongly that it starts to determine the way that we act. In other words, a, a belief determines my behavior and that actually ends up being a conviction. I'm not talking about opinions here because we have lots of opinions. And, and, and we like to argue about uh, opinions and discuss opinions, but, but for an opinion, you would never take a bullet. For a conviction, you take bullets. See, some of the, the greatest people in our time that, that have actually... Uh, 
promoted the greatest change are not always the ones who, who are the smartest or necessarily the wealthiest or the most intelligent. Some of the, the people of our time who have made the greatest impact on the world, whether it be good or bad, actually, are people of great conviction who are willing to stand in value for what they believe. And it's, it's my conviction <laughs> that God is looking for, for believers and followers of him today that stand with godly conviction. And how do I know what that conviction is? Unless I actually go to his conviction and make it my own. And I start to know what he believes. And I start to know what his values are. See, this is very important as we live in this world where it seems like society says value is up for grabs. Really, it's just totally up for grabs. Whatever you want to do. So the question is, is, is it really possible to understand in this day of, you know, pluralism, really, that is there, is it actually, are we able to understand that there's an absolute right and an absolute wrong? How do I find that out? How do I find out what God's perspective is? In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, we get this great instruction here. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil here. So the, the point here is it's, it's possible for you and I to actually start to discern good from evil because I train myself with God's word. This constant intake, this chowing, this pulling back of layers, this dissection of God's word, this solid food into my life. We, we like to, to call that self-feeding. <laughs> so Chloe is uh, growing up, she just turned one. I can't believe that. I think back a year ago, and she's this little grub laying, laying wrapped up in a cocoon, like, like blanket type thing. When she came out, she hummed for like 48 hours. It was the weirdest, coolest, most amazing, precious thing. And now, here she is a, a year later, into Tupperware, and pots and pans, and ripping things open, and, 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 and I, I'm not actually even allowed to feed her anymore. She grabs it, and she feeds herself, and she lays there, and after she d- she's done, she's like, Phew. And she's gone. She doesn't even, I mean, obviously she needs me, but I don't feel needed. She feeds herself. I try to feed her. She's just, she's a self-feeder now. Don't you love that? There's some great benefits to that. It means it's a whole lot messier and she's learning. But in my relationship with God, as I start to chow on this spiritual food and start to understand and dissect and pull back the layers of this romantic relationship and his love letter to me, I start to get it. I start to gain his value and his conviction. Joshua 1, chapter 8, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, says, says it this way. Meditate on God's word day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. How do I develop conviction? Meditate. I meditate. What's meditation? It's not as mystical as you might think. It's just thinking over and over and over and over and over again about something. Stewing it over in my mind. Repeatedly running over it in my mind. Thinking about it. Meditating. So here's the key. If, if you're really stressed out and you worry a lot, you totally have the meditation thing down. You're just totally stewing over the wrong thing. And God says, meditate on my truth, my word, my love letter to you, then 
then you may be careful to do everything written in it, prosperous and successful. Because when I meditate on God's word, and when I take this and I start making it a part of my life, he becomes part of me. I become part of him. My character starts to look like his character. His ways become my ways. And that leads us into the last point here. We've written down knowledge. We've written down perspective. We've written down conviction. And I want you to write down this key word, character. Character. He builds character through this love letter. D.L. Moody um, said it like this. He says, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. That's important. But the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, we read about this change. Each of you is now a new person. You're becoming more and more like your creator, and you will understand him better. The bottom line is that when you and I come into relationship with God, and we start walking together with him, we start this incredible romantic dance, this relationship, it means that I become like his character that I become a new person. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think personal application is the deepest form of teaching. Because personal application means that my life has to change, that, that, that his character becomes my character, that his ways become my ways. And I fall in love with him as he intimately guides me, gently changes me, graciously forgives me. And he and I take off on this this most amazing adventure of my life. And so I promised you that we would get really practical here. Do you you want that? Because I'm telling you, I want that. (laughs) Again, I, I don't feel like I've arrived. I mean, when do you ever arrive with God? When do you ever just like, I totally got it. I'm there. I'm done learning, God. I mean, what else could you teach me? <laughs> I am married to a woman, and I learn something new every day about her. I'm constantly pulling back and finding out new, amazing things about who Beth is, as she is to me. How could I ever come to the end of who God is? But it's really important that it starts with me stepping out stepping out and receiving this offer of relationship from him. And that's what I want to know from you for 2009. What are you going to look like at the end of this year? What's it going to look like to you? Are, are, are you going to reflect on the end of this year and your relationship with God? And it's like, man, I feel satisfied. Like I feel really, I feel like we went somewhere. Or will there be more regrets or, or, or more guilt or more excuses? And I'm telling you, like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to go through that. And our commitment to you is pretty firm here at K2. Like, like I, I don't want this to just be a place where people show up and feel good and, and great, and then we just go home. Because this just feels like not, not a very good use of our time. What I really would love K2 to stand for, and I think we do, is a place that, man, Monday morning comes, and you and I, we're off and running 
we're often running with our Savior, whether it be at, at school or work, in our families, wherever it is that we end up, we are off and running with Him. And so it's my commitment to you that we provide you as many, many tools and opportunities and resources to make that happen. And I'm going to give you just a smattering here really quickly. The first one is this, is that if you do not own one of these, we want to give you one. You can walk out of here today, walk to the very end of the lobby, go to the bookstore and just grab one. There's nothing like having your own love letter, is there? There's nothing like, like I'm so excited that I actually get to show these things to you. And they're way more important to me. I love these things. I read them. I, I leaf through them. There's nothing like having your own love letter that you can mark up and, and just dissect. And it's you. It's, it's a for, for you. So grab one. Grab one today. You've also heard us probably, if you've been around here any length of time, talk about soap journals. Have you heard us talk about that? And just, just show me. Anybody in here use a soap journal ever? Yeah. Oh, that's encouraging. That's really encouraging. But here's the deal with the soap journal. You, you buy it and you open it up and it's blank and you feel kind of ripped off. And you're like, man, what you? seriously, I paid for that. It's five bucks. It's not a big deal. But man, it's blank. The, the money, the money is right in the front, man. The first five pages are golden, teaching you how to take next steps to, to really take truth out of God's word and, and stick it to your spiritual ribs so that you walk away with truth, understanding. I gotta tell you, Beth and I have been doing this. We, I love the soap journal. Grab it. Just, just get one. If you can't afford it, we'll give you one. Just go and get one and make it a part of your, your walking together with God for 2009. Here's, here's the third thing I wanna share with you. It's really fun doing soap journals together. If I'm gonna spend time with Jesus, why wouldn't I, why, why wouldn't I do that with other people? And I want to invite you today, if, if you're like, man, I really would like to do that, to take your program, there's a little tiny tear-off uh, thing there, write your name on it, and, and just write the word soap. That's all you have to write on the backside where the prayer request area is. Just write the word soap, and you'll get contacted. And we'll hook you up with, with men and women uh, all over this valley who, who are just studying together, just, just looking at God's word together. It's, yeah, it's so easy, but it's so tasty, and it's so good, because it sticks with you. Here's the fourth area. We have life together groups that are going on all over. Pick a zip code. I'm sure there's one in there. All over. And you can download that off the front page of the website. Where men and women and couples and students and families and you name it, all different kinds of groups are going on, learning how to study God's word. There are actual life together groups out there designed to show you how to study God's word and to make it, make it part of who you are. Please take advantage of that. And here's the last one. K2U. K2 University, once a week, happens, I think it's on Wednesday night, and uh, studying the book of Ephesians. The whole purpose of K2U is to teach you how to dissect, to teach you how to read between the lines. You remember when you got these love letters? She would pick a word, and I, and I, I mean, seriously, I was, I'm smitten. And she would use a word, I'm like, what does she mean by that? <laughs> Did you ever do that? Well, she said this, and I reference page two, which I think ties back to page one. Here's what I think she meant. You know what? I'm studying the love letters of my lover. The same is true with God's word. When I study it and I start to understand and I get his perspective, I understand the content of it, the values, his convictions. Oh my goodness, it leaps off the page. That's what K2U is all about. Would you please take me up on that? I challenge you. If you're not doing something right now, taking first, first steps in your personal relationship and you're, you're walking with God, to make 2009 a different year, to where you and I will stand here next year, look back on this day and go, 
I feel satisfied. I want more. Those were great first steps. You with me on that? As the band comes, um, we're going to worship, and I want to share with you one last thought. Sometimes when you read through Genesis or the Old Testament, you get, you get to these sections where they go through lineage. Somebody begotten somebody and this, somebody giving birth to this somebody and this guy died and he lived this amount of years. and It makes your devotional time real rough. <laughs> you walk away from some of those scriptures going, what, what was that about? And as Genesis Chapter 5, we come to a, a place that is not the most exciting reading. And it's going through the, uh, the lineage, the descendants of Adam. But in verse 21, this kind of this whole, this whole lineage comes to a screeching halt. And we get this, this Polaroid snapshot for a second here of a guy named Enoch. We don't know a whole lot about this guy. He's mentioned just a few times. But the few words that are said about him, they're pretty powerful. And Enoch lived 60 and five years, and he begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. And after he begat Methuselah 300 years, and began and begat sons and daughters. In all the days of Enoch, for 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. Enoch's Hebrew name is translated into two words. Initiated and dedicated. Here's a guy who stood, stepped out, and dedicated himself to God. And you've heard me say it before, um, that when I breathe my last breath, and when y'all are putting me in the ground, (laughs) I want that on my tombstone. So if you're there, please make that happen. But I, I want that on my tombstone. Remind somebody. Andy walked with God. That's all I want. What else would I want? Enoch walked with God. And for 2009, you are walking with God. Because when we walk alone with God, here's the irony. (laughs) You're never alone. You're never alone. You're walking with him, clenched hand, in hand. And for, for 2009, too, as, as we go into worship here, um, there are going to be some really hard times ahead. Some of you are, are going to be facing some, some bitter trials, um, challenges in your business, uh, difficulties in the workplace, um, maybe some health issues, certainly maybe some financial crisis that we're already aware of. And I gotta tell you, you you might be feeling lonely and hurt and uh, worried and weary. But in the midst of this, all of this, 
I need to tell you, there's a God that just desperately oh, is screaming across every barrier that he is smitten with you, that he longs to walk with you, that he longs for you to le- read his, his letter that is just thick with passion and hope and grace for you. Will you join me in walking with him in 2009? And as the band leads us, I want to introduce you to these lyrics that uh, they're going to sing here and invite you to take this time to, to really actually think quietly. You're not going to sing along with the band, but just to really reflect. What, what's this next year going to look like for you? Don't, don't come to the end of this next year and just uh, have any regrets with God. Take this as your year to walk with Him. If you hunger, if you thirst, if you're weary, if you're lonely and hurt, someone's calling you today. He says, come away. Come away. Come to the mountain. Stand in his presence. Drink in his glory. The Father's calling you. And he's calling you. Enoch, he initiated. He was dedicated. Will you be too? Let's worship. And as we worship, the greeters are going to come forward and take an offering. If you're here with us for the first time, please do not let this financial moment uh, pressure you in any way. It's really a, what we do to just recognize that everything we have is, is His anyways, and it's, we give it back out of worship. So if you want to participate in that out of worship, join us. Let's worship again.